0: All decisions are made from two places love or fear right that's it that's all there is to it so if you're afraid dig down deep think about what you're afraid of and is it real because I don't think it is welcome to healing hearts a podcast created by the healing center voted Pittsburgh's best dispensary
1: Welcome again to the Healing Hearts podcast, coming to you from the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. Uh, my name is Mike Flick. I'm the host of the Healing Hearts podcast, and we have a packed studio today of guests. Uh, our CEO and o- uh, co-owner Chris Cohan, Melanie Kochi from Compassionate Certification Center, and Michael Butler, our general manager and lead pharmacist at the Healing Center. Uh, we have a lot to cover today. So, Chris, I know that the first thing you want to talk about is the CCC white paper. It's got a ton of information. I'm just going to pass it. To to you, sir.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're also going to be joined by Dr. Donner today, who are we are uh, calling in, and uh, so we'll have him to get the little physician perspective. But yes, uh, we, one of the things we want to cover this morning is this white paper that Compassionate Certification Centers and Affinity Bio Partners have, have produced f- for the market, which I believe, Mel, is the first actual research study that has been done in the state for- for our program, thank wow. you,
0: Chris. Yes, Melanie Kochi here, CEO of Compassionate Certification Centers. We're very excited to have this as the first research paper specifically designed and working with our current patient database. Um, so the entire survey was done by our own patients, and that's verified by a Canabot robot, which is very interesting. We can talk more about that later. Wow, well,
2: that is very exciting. So, how did the whole project come to be? What you know, what what prompted you to? to take it on.
0: Honestly, Chris, um, meeting you and the healing center, uh, over four and a half years ago, um, quite inspired me and Brian Donner, uh, oh, my business partner. Really thank you. you did. Um, you were ahead of the game. In my opinion, you knew a lot of, of the very key opinion holders in the industry in terms of physicians, patients, advocacy groups. We wanted to create a paper that spoke to the patients, but yet spoke to the entire Department of Health and all of the state of Pennsylvania. This paper encompasses so many questions and answers that I feel that so many audiences would like to read if they haven't already.
2: And you guys have very graciously shared that around. I I think you gave it to every Department of Health in the country, correct?
0: Yes, we did the study for free. Um, We did it because we wanted to show people that medical cannabis truly makes a difference in so many ways. And that's... That study you can't. I can't really articulate it any quicker than that. It's a very extensive yeah. piece of research. I
2: think for for all of us, or at least those of us that that participate in, in these types of, of things, it, it's really about. As much information as we can get out there as much as we can learn now i'll bring dr butler in here now who's been perusing your lovely paper here this morning and very jealously
3: <laughs> yeah this is this is the kind of thing that we uh we've we've talked about early on and i'm really excited that this is finally coming this information is finally coming out uh, really what we have in comparison to standard medicine and fda trials um what we have for available to us is our studies like this retrospective cohort type studies where you take a large cohort of medical marijuana users and basically poll them with a number of, of questions a questionnaire uh, like CCC has put together. And you really can extrapolate a lot of very useful information um, about the program itself and about the effectiveness of the medication. Uh, because again, we don't have the standard vehicles or pathways to go through for this kind of research like we generally do molecule per molecule through the FDA and the standard system. So that's great work.
2: Yeah. And I mean, for us, from our standpoint at the Healing Center, this these kinds of things become required reading for our personnel because the information that you can get from that many patients at one time, I mean, obviously, see we get a lot of it on a day to day basis. but to see it all compilated real nicely for you out there, and you you oh, yeah. see you see a lot of information that that is very important for us.
3: Reading reading through it, I just over and over I was talking to um our lead trainer, um kind of our, our hiring manager and and PCR trainer. That would about, be
2: Mike Flick, by the way. That would, <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
3: exactly. So I kept showing him, like, Oh Mike, look at this. Look at this. Oh, we gotta we gotta give our PCRs. As I asked Chris, I said, I gotta get a copy of this. I have to show this to my right. pharmacist. My dispensary pharmacist, my managers have to see this. Sure. And and all of our this is absolutely required reading for our entire staff.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some things in there that, that a lot of us that are all of us that are part of the industry can be very proud of i mean things that i took away from it was over 90 percent of the people generally have a very positive experience when they come into our place and then you go and or any dispensary for that matter. And then you go above that and you look at it from a quality of life standpoint and there you got another over 90 percent say it's affected their quality of life in a positive manner. And then you read some more and you see that over 90 percent of them say that they would recommend medical marijuana to their friends and family.
3: That was 99%. 99 percent.
2: 99.
3: 99 percent. 99 in some form.
2: With, yes. So, I mean, it's. We can see out, you know, two years into this program, that we're doing some really, really spectacular things, and it's yeah. really very exciting. So,
0: well, the goal behind the paper—it is a retrospective data analysis. It's not double-blind, placebo-controlled, multi-centered, but it's as close as you can get right. since we have twelve offices, and this is just a Pennsylvania paper, not just is, but a, a, the the day in the life of a of a typical patient. And that's kind of how we wrote this paper. We wanted patients to be able to relate to this data. We wanted the dispensaries, the pharmacists, and all of the owners of the grower operations to really take away something and bring it even better. We want to make the program better and better. And that's our goal with this paper, initially, with this research. And it's it's all over the place. It asks about pain reduction, number of patients, Percentages of opioid reduction after a year. That to me was one of the most impressive statistics I read was that most patients went to the doctor three times that year and then they reduced it to one. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's unbelievable. And it's true because it's our patients. We can back it all up. And that robot typically with uh, research studies, you can't really verify who's done the study technically or the survey. And this data is, is solid. And it's to be leaned upon and, and to be grown upon.
2: Well, yeah, there, there's two particular studies I want to talk about a little bit this morning, yours. But then there was one the Department of Health did, or the advisory board, the Medical Marijuana Advisory Board, which we like to see things and we get some good information from that as well. But it was uh, done on uh, social media. So, virtually anybody could participate in that at that point. And admittedly, there's a lot of people on there that weren't part of the program. So, how they can comment on what a dispensary experience is or anything else. It, it, they really cannot. But what we can get from it is a, a lot of the statistics on how many people are participating in the program and, and things along active doctors and all that. And, you know, that, that was a big concern from the start. And you guys kind of led the charge, you know, getting certifications out there for across the state. How many have you done now?
0: We have 61,000 registered patients, but those aren't all patients we've seen yet. Some of them still need to pay or it. get their medical records or we get them for them or, or provide some form of ID. Uh, we've seen over 30,000 patients and qualified them for their card. We've only not qualified 14, and that's because they didn't have medical records to support those, their qualifying condition. That's one of the things I wanted to touch on today because yeah. I'm still seeing this um, every day when I, when I speak to people. Um, they don't know that they can get their card. Um, they're They're very skeptical. And most people they'll tell you I've I just had four, you know, discs crushed in my back. Do you think I qualify for my card? Yeah. And I say, "Well, I would consider that chronic pain. Is it longer than three months? And at the end of the day, most people qualify for the medical card. We right. just can't get the word out fast enough
2: to no, have more people. And I'm glad you brought that up because it was one of the topics I wanted to touch on today. Is Because I know there's a, a percentage of people out there who have signed up for the program. You can see 287,000 people have registered for the program. But 168,000 of them regularly go to a dispensary. So that tells me, what, there's 119,000 people there who signed up but mm-hmm. haven't taken the step. Either they didn't finish the certification yeah. or they haven't made the decision to go to a dispensary. So I, I wanted to talk to them a little bit I think today because hopefully I think this program, we can answer those kind of questions moving forward for people so that they feel more comfortable. Because I think it's probably uh, just what you said there. Do I qualify? Should I go through with this? Will this help me? And uh, from there, you know, that's that's hopefully the questions we can we can answer moving forward.
3: Certainly. I'd like to speak to that, Sure, uh, because one of the things that we talk to people about when they come into the dispensary for the first time is we know that the primary reason okay. that, that everyone comes is there's a, there's that question. Right. Is this or is this not appropriate for me? Is this going to help me? And if you if you come in and you don't have you don't know, then what I tell a lot of people is we're in that data collection phase. Mm-hmm. So we, we start really low we keep the psychological side effects to a bare minimum um and we slowly kind of increase because that's the question we have to answer so if you're one of these people and you're out there and you're asking yourself you know I've got the card and you know I just don't know I just don't know by all means come to a dispensary come to our dispensary and let us help you answer that question most of the time the final answer is yes this does help yes this increases my quality of life sure. and and yeah. the research that Melanie's done here very clearly shows that the m- answer most commonly is yes
2: there's not a, a a book that you write and you just follow for everybody we all wish it was that simple in this yeah. industry but it, it's nowhere near that because everybody's chemical makeup is different we all know that and um so there's always a level of experimentation and from the medical professional standpoint at the healing center i know it's always you know you're careful at the start
3: right oh very very careful <laughs> no
2: doubt because The way I always look at it, you got one chance, right? Because you can really negatively, if you do the wrong thing, you negatively impact a patient, then not only they have a bad experience at your place, now they think that medical cannabis isn't right for them. Right, and because we've seen, unfortunately, too many of those horror stories early on in the program, where somebody got a bad piece of information and, and went down the wrong path on on what sort of their choice uh, should be, uh, you know, whether it be from a type or or strain. But um, we 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 do come across this, so you know, we want to make sure we're covering as much as we can, so that we can hopefully keep people as informed as possible. Tell, speaking to that level, Mel, maybe you can tell us uh, some of the things that are. You know, that you hear an awful lot from your patients on a day to day basis.
0: Well, being a patient myself, I Mm -hmm. always try to put myself back to where I started mentally. Um, I'm from corporate America. I got drug tested my whole life. I was told that marijuana is a drug. It's illegal. You'll die if you do it. My mother told me that. (laughs) Many parents tell their kids that. And you know, (laughs) maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But it certainly did for me. I waited and I got my medical card and it took me years to find the right CBD. It took me years to find the right products to help me. Now, had I been a patient in Pennsylvania, which is not where I was a patient when I originally was starting this. I lived in Arizona. The treatment time would have been much faster. In Arizona, they don't have pharmacists on staff to help and assist like Dr. Butler. He will get you where you need to be really quickly. They don't have places like the healing center, which is, I love all the dispensaries. I do, but they help you find the right dose, which saves you time. Many people are out of time and it saves you money. And it gets you right, a better experience from the start. You have a bad experience from the first start, like a 90-year-old woman on a really high dose, and that's all that's on the the shelf in some of these dispensaries. Not the healing center, but it's very common for me to hear a 90-year-old woman put on a very high tincture or a very high dose, whereas you just heard go low, start slow. So the things we hear from our patients are, I can't find a product that fits me, but it may be because the product was out of stock. And that is a solution we're rapidly coming up with. It's exciting. Um, Well, that's,
2: you know, we, we all know. It, it, as I read through all the research that we found so far, I mean, the, there's very common themes from everybody. One, they'd like to see a better variety of medicine, especially across flower options. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's just that will happen. We all know that there's more and more grower processors coming on, and then ultimately, price is always a, a factor for everyone. Um, you know, and we, as I look at everything, if you look at, at av- the person's average spend in a dispensary, it's gone down. 20 or $30 from like, a, I believe it was around 130 when the information is started. Now across the state, it's down to about $100, mm-hmm. okay, 109 somewhere in that range. But, you know, so from that standpoint, you have a 20, over a 20% drop in what somebody's spending. And the reason for that is I can tell you straight up is the cost of medicine has come down. As more as more grower processors come on, they will come down. They it leveled off a while ago, so it hasn't been dropping much in recent times, but I believe over time it will. And I, you know, I'm confident that by third quarter or so this year that People will be able to walk into our stores, and, and anything that they want will be on the shelf. We won't be running thin, and that's what we. But you know, Mike specifically over there has been working very hard with with all of our grower processors, so that hopefully we we have don't have as many lapses on on the menu as as time. Because for us, as I explained to everybody, well, here it's great. I got this medicine. This works for me. It's wonderful. Now I can't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, what what the heck? <laughs> you know what I mean, at that point, that's that's the worst thing that could possibly happen for somebody. We got a patient who's excited. right? This is this has really worked for me. Come on. I want to come in and get it again. And now then they can't. Yeah,
3: that so, that kind of speaks to one of the things that the industry in general is lacking, at least a little bit, I think, is standardization. Yeah. And, you know, going forward in the future, as more and more states adopt medical marijuana legislation, um, that standardization, I think, is like the next big step that our industry is looking yeah. to take.
2: You know, the main thing for me is, and probably anybody who knows me, the thing that, that makes me most upset when people talk to us is if they do not give legitimacy to our to our industry. Mm-hmm. And I know that really fires you up as well, because there's so many of us who have worked so long in this, mm-hmm. and we know what we do, and you see these 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 statistics that come from these research things are, are the numbers of people that we help. And still, you go out there and people don't want to give you a legitimacy. I mean, that that to me is is one of the, which is why we need those kinds of things. We have to connect that. Until we do, in the end, um, not everybody's going to understand it.
0: You
1: yep. guys You guys definitely got an arsenal. Let's take a break and we'll come right back and discuss more of that.
0: Hi, this is Melanie Cohan. Hi,
1: this is Chris Kohan.
0: I was the first patient at the Healing Center. I just wanted to thank everybody.
2: Thank you for listening to our Healing Hearts podcast.
1: And at this moment, we just happen to have the perfect doctor, call in, uh, Dr. Donner, Chief Medical Officer and Co-Founder of Compassionate Certification Centers, CCC, as it's much easier known. Um, and Chris, I'd like to pass it to you. But Dr. Donner, welcome to the conversation. How's everybody? Good?
2: Yeah, well, we are doing fantastic as well. We understand you're busy at work, so we, we, uh, we are happy that you were able to take a few moments for us today. We were talking about your lovely white paper and and And, Mel kind of went down a little bit for us, but one of the one of the perspectives we'd love to have from you is the physician's perspective, how this came to be, and what you wanted it to be
4: yeah I, I, absolutely, so this was something that. Uh, You know, I have a big background as a a clinical researcher, so obviously I have an intrinsic uh, interest. But I think really one of the things that the reasons we wanted to do it is because we wanted to get the the patient's perspective, what they thought of the the state, the Pennsylvania Medical Marijuana Program. And and then by doing that, could we actually improve it and make it better? Um, So that was really the whole idea about this. We also felt that this was something that that research really needed to be done quickly. Because it was there was a delay in Pennsylvania. So we felt that it was important to get this out there and then to put all this research out so that everybody can see it and that everybody can use it. And ultimately, it'll help patient care and it'll help the state program get get better.
2: Yeah. We talked about some of the things that stood out for us. Is there some things specifically that that stood out for you from, from the white paper?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I, there, there's, there's a, a bunch of stuff. It's almost, where do you, where do you start? But <laughs> I think, I think when you look at, to me, the over, overwhelming numbers of, uh, it was almost a hundred percent on one of our, um, on one of the questions of people receiving a, a positive benefit from right. medical cannabis, whether it was reduction of pain, whether it was decreased anxiety, but to, to get something close to a hundred percent is almost unheard of, I think, uh, in research. I also think it was interesting and in, in you and I, talked about this before where where the the patients when they went to the dispensary that they reported they felt they got the wrong medication right. so many times on the first time right so that to me was a very very interesting um, uh, uh, data point so and, and really what we did with this one this was meant to be the foundation of, of a research platform moving forward so that next time we go out and we all do this as a, as a medical cannabis community we can tweak it make it better and, and get more of the data that we that we want and need. you know one of the
2: beautiful parts uh, of your organization is people feel freely to talk to you about cannabis right and their use whereas maybe they they don't normally do that with their doctor. And then we took that a step further and started to talk about opioid replacement therapies and how some doctors, when they find out somebody's on cannabis to try to get off an opioid, immediately try to take them off the opioid. And that's the conundrum, as, as Michael so yeah, put it poetically, um, that we all face. So, you know, we want to get your thoughts on that a little bit
4: yeah this is this is a great point I'm glad you you brought it up chris it's It's a big problem, and there's so many patients that that actually probably would benefit from from medical cannabis therapy, but they're so scared of what's going to happen to them at their pain physicians and they're going to be shut off of their other medications so it's it, it's really it's really a big big problem you know one of the things i would say about this is there's there was recently a real large study that came out in, in europe and it showed with regard to where it examined i should say particularly the elderly population and and uh, cannabis versus uh, opiates and, and what they found was that patients who are on medical marijuana and taking opiates need a smaller dose of an opiate at a less frequent interval mm. right but that there was some 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 synergy between those two so in my opinion as a clinician it's not an, an all or one it's not an all or nothing cannabis right. versus something else and oftentimes you know that's the that's the finesse and that's the art of medicine to, to understand that but I think when physicians are making a um, just a, a choice without even thinking about it and saying it's, it's either or I, I think that's the incorrect mindset right with that said I have seen improvement of this, particularly over the last year, sometimes having a conversation with the physicians, and oftentimes it's that the physicians don't understand how medical cannabis works, particularly from a safety standpoint. Right. So. Uh, I think education can help
3: that I think um, I think there's another factor uh, at work and I think it's systemic kind of in our industry and Dr. Donner, tell me what you think about this uh, this theory um, but what I see a lot we have so many patients that come in that have um, pain doctors and are treated at pain clinics who specialize in that uh, of course um, that it's an all or it is just that all or nothing mindset so if you use medical marijuana then we will not continue to prescribe you your opiate that you have become reliant upon to have a, a normal, Quality of life, and I think there's another factor involved, and I think that's insurance. So if I have a pain clinic and I run it, then I must have liability insurance. My insurance company is probably going to tell me that if you pre- co-prescribe opiates and marijuana, we will not insure you. And I think the reasoning behind that is if, as soon as a suit comes up, um, you know, and there's there's any kind of a litigation involved. You can fall back on standardized medicine, uh, FDA guidelines, uh, Jacob prescribing parameters um, in normal course of practice, but when you get into medical marijuana field, in the, into the medical marijuana field, the fact that it's a Schedule One, then the insurance company really doesn't have anything to fall back on to guard themselves in the event of a suit uh, or to defend themselves. And I really think that there's a systemic procedural Kind of factor involved in that decision-making process. What do you think about that? Uh,
4: yeah, I, I think that absolutely has some some teeth to it. Obviously, just because of when you look at the landscape of uh, medical cannabis and, and federal versus state regulations. So, I, I think that could absolutely be a, a real concern, particularly from 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 the insurance standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, as you said too, this is obviously. There's there's a lot of moving parts to this. There's not one specific reason that say, hey, we can we can fix this. I think the financial part of this is is a is a reason too. Look, physicians, uh, particularly when you're talking about a pain physician or somebody, how do they get how do they get their reimbursement? It's by treating mm-hmm, patients. Right. It's by doing these things. When you introduce medical cannabis, um, oftentimes you don't need that stuff as much anymore. So so it affects revenue. And these are things that that don't feel comfortable to talk about, but this no. is the reality. Right. Well, we all know. That.
2: The largest law being forced against us passing this was the pharmaceutical industry.
0: (laughs) Let's all keep in mind, though, that when you bill something for insurance, they have absolutely no idea that you have a medical cannabis card. Right. The databases don't sync, no. so there's absolutely no way that a patient can still go to the doctor, and yet, if, unless they tell their doctor they're on a medical cannabis regimen or they have their card, there's okay. zero way for them to know. Correct.
2: The same thing goes across guns. Yeah, because you know, exactly. everybody's scared. The with databases their guns. don't sync. They don't share. No. The only the only problem you have from from a firearm standpoint is if you go to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're going to be asked questions.
0: Right. Right. 11 so. and 14E. And yeah. you know what? I'm not trying to say to lie. I'm just saying the databases simply don't sync. So we would never bail Medicare or Medicaid, mm. a government. That's our biggest government payer, right? That's why hospitals don't do certifications. That's why it's better to come to a specialist like Dr. Donner, who really knows what he's talking about, just like you do, Dr. Butler.
2: Some people will—they yeah. say doctors will say to me, "Oh, yeah, another one of those places opened up." The other, and I'm like, "You don't know the difference between hemp and and something that's THC. <laughs> you really have no idea." Yeah, yeah, and that is amazing to me because I have two doctors do that to me last week. Hey, you guys are just popping up everywhere. They think that that the program that every place you know that a CBD store is the same as a dispenser,
0: right? Like yeah. purchasing CBD at Exxon right. or Sunoco yeah. is going to give you the same medical advice or even the quality that you would get at a well, doctor's that's, office. That's
2: really really <laughs> important for the patient or the prospective patient to understand mm-hmm. your yeah. choice on where you choose to go, what doctor you choose to see, wh- where you go to get your certification, and then what dispenser you come to. I mean, obviously, I'm a little partial. <laughs> but Obviously. you know in the end you have to do that research and and so I, you know that's the recommendation i give to all patients is take a look around you know make sure you, you know when you look you're considering a doctor to go see make sure they know about medical cannabis because folks at ccc you know that that's what they're based upon you know you're going to get that you know so as a patient you have to know that and then with a dispensary as well you got to know that there's medical professionals there that can. If you are on this medication, they need to know that maybe you want to stay away from this. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that happening at your place, then then you probably shouldn't be there.
0: So. Doctor Donner, I love your philosophy on educating all physicians, especially because you're you have an emergency room background. If a patient comes in to see you and you don't know if they're on medical cannabis or not. It would be helpful too. And you have such a great outlook on education of all providers, whether they believe in cannabis or not. I love that philosophy because it's something that I wish all healthcare providers would embrace because it actually does affect anesthesia, propofol levels. I mean, there's some really good clinical research coming out that shows you need more anesthesia. Just coming into the door if you're a high cannabis user, meaning your dose is a bit higher than perhaps the state normal. Um, As an emergency room physician, admitting a patient without a background, a heavy medical background, knowing in advance, you know, your position on that. I just I, I would love you to share it
4: you know i i think you're 100% right Melanie, is that you know when you think about as physicians whether it's in medical school in residency in fellowship no one, we're not taught about cannabis or the or the endocannabinoid system at all and but yet we know that an imperative an imperative um sort of a biochemical process or, or or system within the body so Every doctor, like you said, whether or not you believe in medical cannabis or not, uh, as a physician, you you have an obligation to your patients to to understand the science and the medicine to at least be able to have an intelligent um, and meaningful conversation, right? And 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 I don't think that that we're there yet. Um, uh, and so I think our physicians need need more of this baseline training. Um, well, when we, go, we get that,
2: what I will say to you is, and this is for the benefit of everyone, listen. I've sat beside Mel and, and Dr. Donner and Dr. Butler at I cannot count the number of educational events at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you know, that's something when we go and fill out our renewal of an application for our permit and they say, What have you done for the community? And that section alone? I mean, and and that's that's just it. Because I can go back, we can go back four or five years the three of us and back before we had a permit before you had a business we were all working hard to try to to get as much education for our industry as we could and and that that's the bottom line and we're not going to get where we all want to go until we do
0: well articulated chris thank you
2: thank you well i want to shift gears a little bit i want to talk a little bit about some of the numbers of our program because you know there there are how many states now do we have medical cannabis in? 33. 33. 33 states and Pennsylvania is well recognized as the best medical market in the country. So, as as a result of all the hard work of our Pennsylvania Department of Health, Compassionate certification centers, the healing center, all the dispensaries, all the grower processors, all the doctors, everyone in this industry and our politicians, of course, we've put together a pretty good program so far. So understanding that there is a current 261,000 patients, 168,000 of them go to a dispensary at least twice a month, 423 million in retail sales since the beginning of the program. We have 15 grower processors that are shipping product currently. And we have 77 dispensaries that are open across across the state. Those are very robust numbers for a program that is only two years old. So to the state's credit, we they really they they knocked it out of the park on having a system that is accessible and um, and that people can who have those conditions can actually get a card and get a quick. And I think we can all agree with that, that we've really seen some amazing things and um, and the numbers speak to that. Um, some other things that are coming up uh, that we're going to be looking at is obviously there's a research program that's going to enter our industry. Um, you know, there has been one that has been approved on the eastern part of the state. But in March here coming up, there are supposed to be uh, some announcements on uh, some some more Chapter 20 programs. So it's a research element uh, to the Pennsylvania program. Pennsylvania was one of the first states to have an element to that, to their program. So we're anxiously awaiting to see how that would roll out. Um, Let's see, Dr. Donner, before we let you go today, because we know you're working with some patients, um, anything else that we should talk about? Anything you want to add in there?
4: No, because the biggest thing I wanted to talk about was the research. And you just brought up Chapter 22 uh, because that was the other thing I wanted to discuss. And I guess. Hey, to, to to agree with you, God, that our our state program is is so so robust, and like you said, in the first two years, we've all all of us are, are familiar with the other state programs as well. So, and I think we're proud of of the of the PA state program. So, the research is going to be huge. I think that the, the chapter twenty, the idea behind it was fantastic. There was obviously a, a rough start to it. Sure. But um, once we get cooking with that research, I think that's going to be uh, tremendous.
2: When we settled, I know because I had to find the exact right guy, but I interviewed 68 pharmacists before we chose my, Dr. Michael Butler <laughs> wow. to lead our group. So it was we don't have a shortage of them that apply. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the thing. It, it really has given a big shot in the arm to the pharmaceutical industry. And it doesn't seem like that industry and in PA has really embraced it as much as they should, specifically from the education side. I have to agree. Yeah. So we
0: want to look at our white paper, which shows that over 40 percent of our patients want to meet with and did meet with a pharmacist yeah, right. upon their first visit. Exactly. Yeah. That's very telling. Most states don't have a pharmacist to meet with. No. You're and on your own.
2: And your white paper shows it. And so does other things that yeah. people want to know about cannabinoids and terpenes. They do. They want to know their right?
0: profiles. They want to they want education.
2: They're, right. They want to see it on the yeah. packaging. They want wow. it on your websites. They want they want information to it. So, but our schools don't want to teach it.
3: <laughs> and then, you know, in the PA, they really kill two birds with one stone. I mean, they're giving yeah. patients a better experience, um, helping people decrease the amount of time it takes to find the right product. They've got that professional advice there. And also, it's creating employment opportunities in, you know, a field that desperately needed additional employment yeah. opportunities.
0: Certainly. Yeah, we've hired over 76 employees just here in Pennsylvania with an additional 16 in uh, Florida and growing. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, we don't have any turnover. Our, our, our employees really love what they do. They love the patient satisfaction. And so do our doctors. We've had uh, several that have wanted to retire and work for us full time. And yep. that yep. speaks volumes to... The level of dedication they have to our patients, and then when they come back for recertification, they get to see. Um, for example, we had a, a nonverbal autistic man of 30 years old came back a year later speaking. Wow! Doing wow. math. Wow! Wow! Rain man type math. That's,
2: <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> got to be so rewarding. I, wow. I, oh.
0: I never thought in in a million years when we started this company that we would have this kind of results with our patients. I never believed it until I saw it firsthand.
2: Well congratulations to you and And Doctor Donner as well. Yeah. Thank you. I know you're busy this morning, Doctor Donner. We appreciate you carving out a few minutes to speak with us. So thank you.
4: Absolutely. I always love always talking to you guys and we have good conversations so thanks for having
2: me oh sure anytime we appreciate it and then congratulations on your success in the white paper and, and everything moving forward
1: absolutely yeah and uh, we'll come back more with our little round table right here in just a minute Hi, this is Chris Cohan.
0: Hi, I'm Lisa Craig.
2: Pennsylvania is well recognized as the best medical market in the country.
0: We appreciate your support.
2: We can see out, you know, two years into this program that we're doing some really, really spectacular things, and it's really, very exciting.
1: Again, welcome back to the Healing Hearts Podcast. My name is Mike Flick, host of the podcast here. And we're coming to you from the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. Uh, back with our roundtable here, our CEO and co-founder, Chris Cohan, Melanie Cocci, uh CEO and co-founder of Compassion Certification Center, general manager and lead pharmacist from the Healing Center uh, as well, Michael Butler. Uh, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier. I want to bring it back to Mel. Um, we were talking about how some patients... You know, they, they've they never tried cannabis in any form their entire lives. There are still a lot of those people All out right. there and they come, you know, maybe their doctor, maybe their friend, maybe somebody they trust uh, pushes them in, their, in the direction of medical cannabis. They get their card. They come into our facility. They're still a little bit, a little intimidated, a little apprehensive. You didn't try
0: anything till you were how old? 38 years old. You were that person. Yeah. (laughs) You were We're that person. I am. I was afraid of um, drug tests. I was afraid of losing my job, none of which is true at all. For me, it wouldn't have been. Um, But what turned you from that
1: apprehension onto? uh, I mean, now you're all. Not terribly interesting,
0: but I, I, I feel like I. I'm a typical patient. I had chronic pain for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I had been on 22 pharmaceuticals that once. Wow. multiple specialists had prescribed me. I wasn't taking them all at once. I was okay. not on opioids wow. at the time. Oh, I effectively managed to stay off of those, although I was prescribed them for years. Oof. I moved to Arizona. Arizona program was um, one of the ones that I look after. I I think it's one of the best ones in the country besides Pennsylvania. And it was founded in 2011 when it became legalized um, there. So So that that
1: was where you first got your medical card. Yes, it is.
0: And I actually called Dr. Donner and I talked to him and I said, you know, Brian, I have tried for years. Everything I know. I had a concussion. I used to snowboard. I used to professionally jet ski race. I gave everything I love up over time. And I didn't even realize it. And I said, Brian, I'm going to go in this office. I'm going to get my medical card and I'm going to see what happens. And he, he, he actually said, Melanie, I really think you should. And I want to hear all about it. And that's where we created this company. We wanted to do it better. Everything. When you made
1: that call back then to tell them how that first experience went, what was that conversation? It was awful. It was
0: hard. I was scared. I thought the doctors were looking at me as if I'm a drug seeker. Right. I don't know what to ask for. I walk into the dispensary. They don't know what I need. They have no idea. You go to the healing center. Now you have an idea. <laughs> Arizona doesn't have pharmacists. Right, right. I'm serious. The program here it's is mind-blowing. amazing.
1: It's yeah. mind blowing to us because we're. I mean, we our, our program started with pharmacists, so we're, yeah. we're.
2: I know. The idea of not having that element. You know, it's we will never go anywhere without a pharmacist running our store.
0: And you shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, it's, so it's dangerous, and yeah. it's yeah. just not safe. And I, I actually hurt my throat vaping. Um, I've lost days of my life taking products that were incorrect. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you, but I got out of chronic pain. I'm off of 22 medications. I lost 56 pounds on CBD and a THC regimen that I'm on now and completely out of chronic pain. So I, if nothing more comes out of all the help we've done for all these patients over the years, um, at least I was able to finally get out of pain. And I just wish that. For every single patient, because 85% of ours, their qualifying condition is still chronic Chronic pain. pain. And then there's other things, right? Maybe they had cancer or they have diabetic neuropathy. There's a multitude of reasons that people come to the doctor. But the number one reason is pain. Sure.
1: It sounds like you've got this really figured out with your regimen now. Is that that fair? How long did it take for you to get there? Because I mean, I, we tell patients all sure. the time when they come into our dispensary, you know, uh, I kind of steal the line from Aerosmith, you know, it's a journey, not a destination, right? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it takes yeah. some time to get there. You know, w- what was that journey like for you? How long was it? Because you, you end up trying a lot of products that some work for you great, some don't at all, you know, and it, it's kind of a game of yeah. of journaling and keeping track, of all that stuff. Yeah.
0: Um, if I'd have started the, pay- the program here, it would have been very quick. I'd say sure. two to three months and they would have helped me find uh, the correct products. With the guidance of the pharmacist, like, like Mr. Butler. I'm looking at yeah. you, Dr. <laughs> Butler. I, I, I just know Butler. you would have. Yeah. I did not get that kind of help in Arizona. And I've, vi- I've visited many states since um, that are both recreational and medical and seen their program hands-on. And what we're trying to do is cut the treatment time. Patients are out right. of time. And,
1: sure. yeah, absolutely. And,
0: and I didn't. It took me years it's it took me it's years.
1: Horrifying to hear. You're it's right. not the case here, though. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. just
0: telling you honestly what I did in another state, and I'm thankful that I'm born and bred from Pittsburgh, back home, and um, I have products that I mean I, I'm not in pain anymore. I can go back to jet skiing for the first time. I'm excited this summer. So, so thank you for listening that to my my story, and I just hope it you know it it will inspire people to try something different i mean the the pills the doctors they only know so much yeah. right everybody has a limitation let's just push it one more time um, and you don't have to be in pain you don't have to live this life for whatever is not working anymore you just don't no one you know? of the,
2: one of the things we started uh, as a marketing campaign this year is we're using our own employees talking about their their healing journey Right, their own independent healing journey, and that's kind of what Mel just did, and, and everybody's got their own story, Absolutely. and that's what makes our jobs very, very fulfilling. Yeah, because every day you are part of somebody's healing journey, and 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 I I don't take that lightly. I know he doesn't, she nope. doesn't, he doesn't. Nope, <laughs> none of us do because until you're in that. And I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. I was never really in that scenario. I worked corporate America like you did. You know, we were out there selling things, doing whatever you do. I mean, that changed somebody's life. Sure, their business made their business better, right? And things like that. But it's much different when you change somebody's health.
1: When right. somebody walks into the dispensary and yeah. says, "I've been on cannabis for six months," and he pulls out his jeans, and you could jump in him because he's lost right. one hundred and thirty pounds. It, like he's that
3: There's no end to the to the complete turnaround mm. stories that we hear. The the one eighty, you know, the increase in quality of life. And I used to actually estimate our numbers a little low as far as the the number of people that would report back they got a positive benefit. The number right. of people that report back that their quality of life just shot through the roof. The number of people that report back that they decreased the amount of opiates that they take, because like Dr. Donner says, there's a very true synergy between those two drugs. Um, Seeing the white paper and seeing the numbers, the real numbers that are coming out, they're actually considerably higher than yeah, my we would say eight out of ten
2: most of the time. I yeah. generally went to eighty <laughs> yeah. percent. you are on the side of caution. You go conservative, right? right? And, and, and that's from an underpromise and, under and overdeliver. Yep.
3: <laughs> that yeah. sounds pretty good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to my story, but I think it's very similar to a lot of other people's that uh, can probably relate. Yeah. So um.
1: but it's important that you tell it because I think there's a lot of people that relate to that story who are in genuinely afraid to come out and, and tell that story. We'll have people walk up to the counter with their card and the products that they're about. To purchase in hand at the dispensary, and they still from forty five years of propaganda, feel that shame and it's yeah. it, it's sad because we know the next time we see them they're going to come back, there's going to be color in their face because they got some sleeps they're going to you know there's going to be a bit more of a smile, and w- once we see them come back on the other side of that to exactly what you're saying it's, that is one of the
2: yeah, I would say one of the amazing things for people, especially if they were never treated with cannabis. if you have a sleep problem,
1: absolutely so many people sleep. Yeah.
2: You know, yep. and that's, that's the thing. I mean, people don't understand the bad health that comes from not getting sleep. Yep. You know, really? I mean, if you can just crack that element of your life, you're going to be naturally a lot healthier.
0: And, yep. and for people that that alone can be very changing.
3: I think the theme of this podcast today that I'm picking up is just overcoming fear.
0: And we hear that from our patients when they come back, they yeah. love the experience that yeah. they get at the healing center and you know, I found all, all decisions are made from two places, love or fear. Right. Yep. That's it. That's all there is to it. So if you're afraid, dig down deep, think about what you're afraid of. And is it real? Because I don't think it is. It's something you've manifested in your head, just like I did. And I was, I was scared to admit that I was in pain and I was scared to take a chance on something completely new. And it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Second to starting this company, third to meeting the healing center. So love and fear. Well, I think that's a great way to finish. Yeah, I don't know
1: how we we end better (laughs) than that. So, Thank you again for listening to the Healing Hearts podcast coming to you from the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. Uh, My name is Mike Flick from the Healing Center, Chris Cohan, CEO and uh, co-founder of the Healing Center, Melanie Kochich, CEO and co-founder of Compassionate Certification Center, and Mike Butler, general manager of our Healing Centers as well. Thank you guys all for being here this week. Thanks
0: a lot. Thank you, Mike. Thanks Thanks for listening. Healing Hearts is presented by the Healing Center, voted Pittsburgh's best dispensary. Healing Hearts is recorded at the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. More information is available at thehealingcenterusa.com.